Welcome back to episode 16 of the Woopig Weekly Podcast, your weekly source for all things Arkansas Razorbacks. This week's episode is brought to you by University Traditions. Go check them out. They have several amazing hat designs with more merch coming every day. They have various designs based on different universities, a lot of SEC schools, but um, go check out their Fayetteville collection. It's pretty nice. I I have a hat myself that I ordered a while back. Um, we just This is a brand new sponsor for us here at Variety Sports Network as they just jumped on board yesterday. Um, so they have a brand new promo code, VSN15, where you can receive 15% off your order. And like I said, their hats are pretty sweet. Um, they got a good Fayetteville collection that has a variety of colors, colorways, and different things of that nature. So if you get a chance, go check out University Traditions. They have a Twitter page where you can find them at, and I'm sure you can do a quick Google search and pull them up as well. So we'll jump in here with some Arkansas basketball news as Arkansas men's basketball took on Georgia on February 21st, where they kept the wins rolling with a 97-65 to victory. The guy you got to talk about this game is Nick Smith Jr. He led the team in scoring with 26 points, followed up by Ricky Counts with 22 points and Anthony Black with 10 points. Rebounding-wise, you have Jordan Walsh leading the team in rebounds with seven with Makai Mitchell and Jalen Graham coming in with five apiece, and Anthony Black and Mikhail Mitchell with four apiece as well. In this game, the team shot 63.8% from the field, going 37-58, a whopping 55% from the three-point range, going 11 of 20, and 54.5% from the free throw line, going 12 of 22. So what, what was your take from this game, Seth? Well, it was Nick Smith, in my opinion, his first real showing um of, of what he's capable of um he had a great game obviously the, I, the whole team had a great game I mean we had ridiculous um field goal percentage on 63 percent and then 55 from three obviously a little bit to be desired from the free throw line which we I feel like we've kind of reverted back to uh not not hitting all of our free throws um kind of like we we're early on in the year and that's that's gonna hurt us a little bit but um overall it's really good Team game, um, top to bottom, defense played good. Offense obviously played good. And then Nick Smith definitely had his kind of coming out party. I mean, he, he had a couple of decent games leading up to this one, but this was really the game that we kind of got to show – he got to showcase his abilities for sure. Yeah, I agree. that it's, It was good to see them come out and just be pretty dominant, even though it, you know, it is Georgia that's near the bottom of the conference standings, but still to – for that's a great confidence booster just coming out and being able to you know beat a team by 32 points it's got to definitely make you feel good for hopefully what's to come but we'll jump over to some Arkansas women's basketball where our women's team took on Mississippi State on February 23rd where they lost this one 87 to 73. Samara Spencer led the team in scoring with 25 points followed by Michaela Daniels with 17 points and Aaron Barnum with nine points. Sailor Poffenbarger led the team in rebounds with 11, followed by Miriam Dowda and Jersey Wolfenbarger with six rebounds, and Aaron Barnum with five rebounds. In this game, our, the team shot 35.4% from the field, going 23 of 65, 25% from the three-point range, going 8 of 32, and 61.3% from the free throw line, going 19 of 31. So this is a game I think it's been you know, a repetitive story of this team, just the, these past few games have been living and dying by the three and more of that latter than the first um, with, you know, you can see 25% from the three point range, which 
isn't necessarily terrible, but when you look at the amount they shot of 32 threes for the entire game, that's nearly 50% of your total field goals for the game. Yeah, it's when they fall, you have a great game, but when they don't, it, it definitely makes it hard to, to try to find other sources of offense. They got 31 attempts at the line, made 19 of those, so not the best percentage there. Plenty of attempts, so I mean, when they were getting inside, they were getting fouled and getting to the line, but didn't make enough of those to uh, really be competitive in this game. Yeah, that's true. It's one of those things where, you know, you see them trying so hard and, it, and things just aren't falling their way. Hopefully, you know, they can get back in the winning column their last game of the season as it's senior night home game at Bud you know, taking on Texas A&M, and I know they're toward the bottom of the conference, so that's one game that hopefully they can get it figured out at home and get a win before regular season conference play ends. Kind of a tough game. We were up by nine points at halftime, um, came out in the second half, and really Brandon Miller for Alabama kind of took this game over and got them back in it. They they ended up kind of flipping the script and getting up on us by about 10 in the second half, and we made a late push to to close the gap. just was a little bit too late. But Nick Smith Jr. led the team in scoring again. Um, so back-to-back really good games from him. He had 24, um, followed by Devo with 21, and Ricky Council with 20 points. Mikkel led the team in rebounds with eight, followed by Jordan Walsh with seven rebounds, and Nick Smith had six. Um, team overall shot 41.4% from the field goal, going 29 of 70. Um, shot 50% from three, going five of 10. And then 69% from the free throw line going 20 of 29. Um, not a horrible percentage from the line, um, but the second half was definitely a, a big difference from the first. I think we shot 91, 89 or 91% in the first half and then missed several key free throws late in this game that, I mean, really kind of cost us. You know, we only lost by three. A couple of missed free throws underneath the three-minute mark really, really hurt us in this one. But, um Nick Smith Jr., after these two back-to-back solid games, did get named SEC Freshman of the Week. So a little bit of recognition there for Nick Smith. Yeah, that's true. And I think it goes back to, like you were mentioning, you know, this was a good game. You know, Arkansas had a great first half, and then Bama came back in the second half and had a run. And, I mean, that's to be expected with just, you know, with them being such a good team. But I think it showed growth from this team to be able to just fight back from – getting down 10 to 12 points that make it a three-point ball game. But where it's got me concerned, like we mentioned in the Georgia game, free throws. You know, 20 of 29, missing nine isn't terrible. But when they're in clutch late-game situations, you can't have that, especially with Ricky Gensel being one of our more higher-percentage shooting free-throw shooter and him struggling from the line. I don't know what's going on but he missed several there late in the game that could have pulled us a little bit closer. I mean, it's not all on him, everybody. It's a team loss, but uh, it, it's just one of those things that makes you scratch your head a little bit. Yeah, he missed um, three out of four in back-to-back possessions. He, you know, he was doing a good job driving, trying to get us back in the game and getting to the foul strap with a, just a handful of minutes left in the game, but – missed three out of those four um, free throws on back-to-back possessions. And, I mean, that feels like a turnover, basically. You know, come down the line, have a good offensive possession, get to the stripe and miss them both or miss one out of the two. And it's um, it just kind of hurts, almost like a turnover. So definitely 
struggled at the very end of the game from the free throw line. I think that I'm not going to say that cost us the game, but it definitely didn't help our uh, comeback attempt. So a lot of learning lessons, that's for sure. Yeah, especially with him being one of the guys where his big part of it, his game is that drive and attack with the basketball. And for if that's going to be a key part of your game, you got to make sure you're able to hit your free throws because more than likely you're going to get fouled every time you drive the ball. Um, and then my only other question with this game was at the end of the game, I don't know if it was just nobody was open, but I think I would have had somebody else other than Ricky taking that final shot to try to tie the game and push it to overtime, like maybe get the ball to Nick or Devo. And, you know, they could have had those guys covered up, but, you know, not my first choice to have to take the three to try to tie up the game. Yeah, I mean, I, you had uh, – I can't remember who was inbounding, but you had Nick Smith and, and Ricky kind of along the baseline there. I think it was just whoever kind of flashed open to get the ball to. There were just a handful of seconds left. And, I mean, he just kind of dribbled right down the floor and pulled up. I I would have liked to see maybe a, a pass off there to get, maybe hit somebody open in the corner, but I, don't, I just don't think he thought there was enough time left. He just drove down, got to – his spot, I I mean, he hits shots from there, but he's, he's not one of our more consistent three-point shooters. So, I agree with you. Could have had maybe Nick Smith or Devo, like you said, or maybe um, Joseph Pinion. I think he was in the game at the time as well, right there late since we needed a three. I mean, maybe get one of those guys the ball if possible, but it just didn't happen. Yeah. So, that we'll jump back over to our Arkansas women's basketball where on February 26th they, they took on – Texas A&M on senior day for the Lady Backs. And on this day, they, they were able to get the win 78-65 to 65 to round out the season on a, a winning note. Uh, in this game, Samara Spencer led the team in scoring with 19 points, followed by Aaron Barnum and Michaela Daniels with 12 points each. And Sailor Poffenbarger and Jersey Wolfenbarger each had nine points as well. On the rebounding side, you have Chrissy Carr leading the team in rebounding with six, followed by Samara Spencer and Aaron Barnum with five apiece, and Sailor Poffenbarger and Michaela Daniels with four rebounds apiece as well. For this game, our team shot 43.9% from the field, going 25 of 57, 38.2% from the three-point range, going 13 of 34, and 60% from the free-throw line, going 15 of 25. So my thoughts here um, that kind of stick out to me, Definitely that three-point percentage, 38% is pretty solid. Um, I think that's kind of like we were talking earlier. Sometimes we live and die by the three. We're shooting, you know, 30, 35 a game, and um, they shot pretty well this game from three, and, and it kind of resulted in us getting the win. So sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but it just kind of is what it is as far as the way the team's built. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, with it, and we'll cover it in a little bit whenever we talk about some uh, upcoming events, but they are taking on Missouri in the SEC tournament in the second round. So they got that first round by, um, but, you know, if they happen to do win that game, they don't have an easy draw where next up on the bracket, they would face up against number one, South Carolina. So um, maybe they can get a win and hopefully get a bid into the NCAA tournament. We'll have to wait and see, but, We'll cover more on that here a little bit later in the episode. Then we'll jump over to Arkansas men's basketball, where last night they took on Tennessee. You know, I think a lot of fans had a lot of hope in this game 
with a decent game on Saturday versus Alabama and a close one. But unfortunately, you know, this seemed to be the opposite of that, where Arkansas lost this one 75 to 57. Just no shots were falling for this team as Devo Davis and Anthony Black tied for the leading scorer with just 13 points, followed by Nick Smith Jr. with 12 points and Ricky Council with 11 points. Devo led the team in rebounds with six, followed by Black with five and Jordan Washington Council with four apiece. In this game, our team shot 36.7% from the field. They went 18 of 49, 36.4% from the three-point range, going 8 of 22, and 59.1% from the free throw line, going 13 of 22. This is such a tough game. I mean, we've got a good defense, but Tennessee's got an even better defense, if I'll be honest. And uh, they they really came out and – kind of altered what we wanted to do in this game. They definitely enforced their will. Um, you got to give them their their due credit there. Um, their, their defense is legit. And then they, they got several um, kind of easy points. They Normally they don't score 75. Um, Tennessee doesn't. They've, they've had some good games where they've scored quite a bit, but it's not their M.O. Um, but we, we turned the ball over so many times that they were getting some pretty easy looks. And that, that lead kind of ballooned out. It just – there was nothing falling – shots wise for us to even try to have a comeback in this game. It was just one of those games that just nothing seemed like it went right. Yeah, that's true. And and I think one thing from this game, it almost seemed like we reverted back to pre Nick Smith return where, you know, we couldn't get anything going on the inside, which allowed them to just plug up the paint and force us to shoot those outside shots. You know, with, with a shooting 22 threes this game, we were back down to around 10 to 12 and that to see us have this amount again is is a little concerning and with Tennessee being the more physical team in this game they it just seemed like you know every whether it be offense or defensive rebound they they had guys in there and our guys were just getting pushed around I know Musselman rotated through you know giving different guys a chance to get in there between Graham and the Mitchells twins and you know it just seemed like nobody could really do anything in this game. Yeah, I think the one guy that really could have had a little bit more of an impact but was just limited from injury standpoint was uh, Kamani Johnson. He came in and had a few good minutes, but, you know, he's still recovering from that toe injury. So, I don't think they wanted to have him play just a, a whole lot in this game. This was his first game back in a while. So, he he's kind of one of those guys for us that can kind of slam and bang around down low. But it just like, – like I said, this game just was not – was not a good showing for us. I'm hoping we have a short memory when it comes to this one and uh, kind of bounce things back whenever we play Kentucky this weekend. Yeah, this is definitely one of those games where I think you just burn the tape, not much good to take from this. Just, you know, like you said, short memory, forget it, come back and, you know, with the crowd at home at Bud, you know, I'm sure it's going to be rocking and and just, you know, try to get that win to wrap up the season and, kind of hit that 20 win mark, you know, the, the old saying goes for the NCAA tournament, you know, 20 wins and you're in, and we're sitting at that 19 mark. Um, you know, there was some Drop questions. The last, yeah. There's some questions last night about with, a, with this loss, you know, do we have to start hoping we get an at large bid compared to just getting that selection? I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of a not fun limbo to be in, you know, that, that kind of, that that bubble spot definitely is uh 
kind of a weird spot to be in. It's not really something we're used to the last few years. So hopefully that it doesn't hurt us too bad, especially if we can kind of come back and finish out the season strong with a good win over Kentucky. Definitely got to bounce back. Yeah, and hopefully maybe get make a short run in the SEC tournament as well. That would definitely help. But for the past month, we've been sitting at that 8-9 mark, which at this point, as bad as I hate that, that kind of matchup part of the bracket, you know, I would almost take that and getting into the tournament and just seeing if we can make it run from there. Right. Definitely lots to look forward to and kind of hope for, for sure. But we'll uh, shift gears here and look at Arkansas Gymnastics, where uh, Arkansas had a gymnastics meet with Missouri on February 24th. We lost another close one here um, by a full point, so not as close as some, but still not terrible. Uh, Missouri outscored us on all four categories. Um, they outscored us on the vault 49.325 to 49.225, so pretty tight scores there. Missouri outscored us on the bars 49.45 to 49.275. Um, they outscored us on the beam 49.550 to 49.525, so a very close disparity there on the beam. And then they outscored us on the floor routine 49.525 to 48.625. Yeah, it's like I think we've said all season, the gymnastics in the SEC is just such a talented conference that, you know, you have these losses where everybody, it's one of those where, you know, teams are going to be beat up on other teams and, you know, have close matchups where that's a point or less. I think all of our losses, if you go back and look at them, are at a full point or less throughout the whole season. So that just kind of shows you how competitive – this sport has gotten just in the past few years, um, not in not only in just the SEC, but in um, the whole college atmosphere. Yeah, Power Five schools have done a good job on um, recruiting big, big names, trying to advertise. Um, I know just just the Ragebacks, for example, have, have been setting several records from fan attendance and things like that. They've been trying to kind of get the sport more involved from a fan's perspective. Um, and I know a lot of universities around the country have done the same thing, which that's a great thing for the sport as a whole. So so they're doing pretty decent um, women's team. A couple losses there, but I think overall in the season, they're still looking pretty good. Men, the men notched another win there. So, you know, I think they're going to continue to keep rolling. I think that puts the men still at only one loss uh, out of all their matches so far. So they're shaping up to be pretty stout. We'll, we'll look briefly at the uh, track and field where Arkansas men's and track and field on the indoor track and field had the SEC championship. We hosted that. Um, they placed first in the men's 400 prelims, the triple jump, the hip long jump, the hip shot put, the hip 60 meter, the hip high jump, and the hip 1,000 meter. Um, so really, really good showing from the men's here. Um, and then on the flip side, Women's track and field, um, SEC champions champions as well, where they placed first in the one mile, the 3,000 meter, the four by 100 meter relay, the pentathlon 60 meter hurdles. Um, so huge shout out to the track and field teams as they both won the SEC at home. So great, great celebratory wins there, kind of to be able to win that championship in our house. Yeah, it's very nice to see them get the sweep, and I think they said that's a record number of titles, especially for our women's team and and for our men's team to add just another title to the collection as well. Um, 
And it's like we said, you know, when track season got started, it seemed, even though that was just like a month ago, um, but, you know, Arkansas came out once again and showed out for another season. And now it's on to the NCAA championships coming up in a, a week yeah. or so. Definitely got one word for the track and field teams, and that's dynasty. <laughs> and, and that's something that's good to hear, especially with, you know, some of these losses that Arkansas had here in the past couple of days to have some good news come out. It's definitely really good. And then we'll jump over to some Arkansas softball, where Arkansas softball took on Arizona on February 23rd, the first of three games with them over the span of the weekend, where in this game they won three to two. Janice Dells picked up her first complete game after pitching seven innings and had a season-high 12 strikeouts for this game. And then junior Kylie Halverson went two for three at the plate with one run scored. You had Spencer Priggy drive home two runs, and Hannah Gamble had the walk-off single to win the game. And then you jump over to the the doubleheader of that day where they took on Arizona for the second game of that doubleheader, and they lost this game 5-2. to two. Robin Heron got the got the start and pitched three and a third innings and gave up three earned runs on three hits. And she also had five strikeouts. Callie Turner came in in relief and threw for three and two-thirds innings, where she gave up one run on two hits. For this game, Reagan Johnson led the Hogs with two singles and scored a run. And Hannah Gamble, Kylie Halverson, and Christina Fullman all recorded hits as well. And then they followed up on Saturday where they played Drake on February 24th, and Arkansas won this game 4-3 to three in 11 innings. And Janice Dells came out and got the start again and started and pitched three innings while retiring seven of eight batters. She was replaced by Robin Heron, who pitched five and two-thirds inning, getting a career-high 14 strikeouts. This game went into extras and went a full 11 innings, which is crazy with softball being regular. Seven innings, uh, that's some – that's almost unheard of. Yeah. Yeah, that's almost unheard of for softball, especially with how um, stout a lot of these teams are on offense. That's It's almost insane for a, for a game to go that long in softball. Yeah. And so Kylie Halverson had two hits along with two RBIs in this game. She hit the game-time RBI single that sent the game into extras. And she also came up big in the bottom of the 11th where she had the walk-off RBI single that won the game. And Hannah Gamma also had two hits in RBI in this game as well. Um, I'll kind of carry over on the 24th here as well. We had a game against Arizona, and we, we kind of got some revenge here and got the win against them two to one. Callie Turner got the start and pitched three and two-thirds innings. Um, she only allowed two hits and one run. She also had one strikeout. Um, Janice Dels came in in relief and pitched the final three and a third innings where she had two hits and five strikeouts. And then uh, Ryland Hedgecock went two for three in this game, had the go-ahead solo home run in the sixth, kind of get the win for us. And then on a side note, Adelia Riho went two for two and also had an RBI single. Um, on the next day, we played Drake again and got the win seven to two. Kelly Turner got the start in this game, pitched six innings, um, had a season-high seven strikeouts for her while only allowing two runs on two hits. Robin Heron came in relief and pitched the final inning 
Got one strikeout while working around a bases loaded scenario. So good job to her there on getting the save. Um, and then Arkansas had seven hits in this game with three of those being extra base hits. So good job with the bats. Hannah Gamble led the Hogs in batting with two hits, um, which included a double that drove in two runs. And then Ryland Hedgecock hit another home run within 24 hours of her previous one. And freshman, excuse me, freshman Riley Cloud recorded her first hit as well. As well. And then Hannah Kamenzen also drove in a run on an RBI single. Um, the next day on February 26th, we played Drake again and won this game in a shutout, eight to zero in five innings. Um, Janice Delsey got the shutout where she only allowed two hits and had six strikeouts. Um, over the weekend, she held opposing batters to an average of 127 average. Um, so she's definitely picked up where she left off last year and is kind of coming in and, and being a very dominant force for us on the pitching side of things. Kylie Halverson and Casey Hoffman both homered in this game with two run bombs. And then Reagan Johnson tied a career high in hits going three or four at the plate with two RBIs and walked off the game where they're two RBI double in the bottom of the fifth to, to get the run rule. Yeah. So our, our softball team are definitely rolling right now. You know, they're, now 13 and three on the season. And after that spectacular weekend, Janice Dells was also named national pitcher of the week, which is like we said, she's continuing where she left off last year with winning uh, SEC pitcher of the year. Uh, it's one of those things where, you know, when you've got such a dominant player, you know, let them, let them play, let them pitch. Uh, the only thing that I would might want to see is, you know, maybe a little bit more rest, you know, she pitched a lot this weekend, but I know pitching counts are a little bit different in softball since they're that whole arm movements, a, a whole different type of it's different motion, yeah, different motion that's used. So they can, I, I will say this softball's definitely a little bit different than baseball. And the fact that if you do have, you know, kind of that one workhorse style pitcher, you can, you can ride them to a lot of victories. And if you, you're in a good position to have maybe one or two others that are, solid starters as well it puts you in kind of that upper echelon of softball programs so great job to Courtney Dival for putting her team in a position with several good pitchers yeah that's true so now we'll flip back over to Arkansas baseball where this weekend they had their first home series back in bomb which I know I think all the fans were that they were waiting on that they everybody's ready to back get back to bomb walker and you know cheer on the hogs which you know, they had a decent weekend. You know, Seth and I were both able to attend these games and in person on Saturday. But we'll, we'll cover Friday where on, they took on Eastern Illinois for the series. In the Friday matchup, they won this game 13-2 to in seven innings where Hagen Smith got the start and he pitched four and two-thirds innings, allowing three hits, zero runs, had six strikeouts, and he, he pitched a total of 97 pitches. He was relieved by Cody Adcock who came in and pitched a third of an inning with one hit, one strikeout, and nine pitches. Austin Ledbetter followed up Adcock with one inning with two hits, two runs, one strikeout, and 38 pitches, and rounded out by Gage Wood with one inning, zero hits, with two strikeouts, and 15 pitches. On the offensive side, you have Kendall Diggs went two for four and had four RBIs with a three-run home run in the bottom of the seventh. So he had himself a really good day at the plate, and, you know, this was kind of a momentous game as Coach Dave Van Horn got his 800th win 
as a head coach in college baseball. So, you know, congratulations, Coach Van Horn. You know, we love to see that happen, especially here at Arkansas. You know, I think it's safe to say, you know, the spot's yours however long you want it. So, <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. I, I hope he doesn't go anywhere for a long time. I know he's got to retire at some point, but I think we're all going to mourn that day. But uh, my, my highlight for this game was definitely Kendall Diggs having that three-run home run in the bottom of the seventh to – I mean, it, it was a walk-off, basically. I know it wasn't like it was any type of, you know, high-leverage situation, but get a pretty cool celebratory walk-off home run to run roll. That's it's always exciting. And then on Saturday, you jump over to Saturday's game where Arkansas got the win in this game 10-3. to This was a game that both Seth and I were able to attend in person and get to see this team live for the first time. Um, Will McIntyre got the start in this one where he went four and two-thirds innings with two hits, one run, four strikeouts, and 85 pitches. In this game, he was relieved by Cody Frank, who came in and pitched two and a third innings with two hits, one run, and two strikeouts with 32 pitches. Brady Tiger came in with one inning, two hits, one run, one strikeout, and 19 pitches, and rounded out by Dylan Carter with one inning, one hit, zero runs, one strikeout, and 18 pitches. You know, it's definitely good to see McIntyre come out and have a, a a better outing this this game compared to you know he didn't have that great of a performance down in Arlington. So to see him bounce back in this one was was definitely good to see. So you had uh, Jaron Wagner go for three for three at the plate, um, and Jace Borfin had a pair of doubles, and Ben McLaughlin came off the bench to drive in two runs. So what's your take from that, Seth? Man, that was just a fun game to be at. Um, the only sad part about this game is it was around the same time we were playing Alabama on basketball, so that was kind of tough to try to watch both of those at the same time. But really fun atmospheric bomb, as always. Um, the crowd really got into it. I know it wasn't, it wasn't quite a sellout or anything like that. The hog pen was packed, but great environment, as always, for sure. Um, the thing that stuck out to me, for sure, was Jared Wedner going three for three. So, I mean, he, he continued his hot streak. He's just – He's really been kind of that that one main guy for us in the offensive lineup. We've got several guys that are hitting the ball well, but Jared Wagner's kind of been the standout guy so far, and I really look to see him continue that as the season kind of gets into conference play and hoping that conference pitching doesn't slow down his hot streak. Yeah, that's true. I think that's one thing that, you know, if he keeps that up, I think – that's going to be a dangerous part of our, our batting order, you know, and, you know, we have a lot of guys in that order that can, you know, honestly just be able to hit that ball. Well, um, like, you know, we got lead off Tavian Yosenberger, who's like we mentioned before is quietly just having himself a decent season, being able to uh, put balls in play. And not only that, but his base running is just incredible the amount of bases yeah. he's able to steal with that speed he has and that judgment of when to run and when not to run. Yeah, he's he's the epitome of a leadoff hitter, but he's surprisingly got quite a bit of power as well. I've seen him knock the cover off the ball, bounce a couple off of the uh, – oh, I can't remember the, the training center out there in, in right field, but he's smashed some balls out there. <laughs> So he's, he's definitely a fun player to watch with all his intangibles that he brings. Yeah. And so they rounded up this weekend on the Sunday game and they, they with the Saturday game win, they, they, they already clinched the series. So this was just to try to go for the sweep where unfortunately they lost this game 12 to three. 
this was a day where it just seemed we couldn't hit anything and they were hitting everything. Hunter Holland got the start in this game with five and two-thirds innings pitched where he allowed six hits, two runs, had four strikeouts on 86 pitches. Um, he, he was relieved by Cody Adcock, who came in and pitched one and a third inning, had four hits, four runs, two strikeouts on 28 pitches. Zach Morris came in for a third of an inning, had two hits, three runs, and nine pitches. Gage Wood, not even for a third of an inning, he had, came in had two runs on 10 pitches. I, I believe he walked a couple of guys that allowed those runs to get pushed in. And then you had Parker Coyle who came in for two-thirds of an inning with two hits, one run, and 21 pitches. And Cooper Dossett closed it out with one inning, zero hits, with a strikeout and 21 pitches. So this was a game where I think Arkansas is starting to show some question marks around their bullpen and some some of that those relief pitchers. Yeah, I, Hunter Holland, I, I thought he did well enough in this game obviously for us to win. I mean, he, he pitched pretty well through five and two thirds. Um, six hits is a few, but not horrible. I had four strikeouts and, and then he gave up the two runs. Um, but it just kind of got out of hand whenever we went to the bullpen. And uh, that was unfortunately kind of something I wasn't expecting, especially from some of the preseason comments, you know, we talked about last week from Dave Van Horn um, on how deep the pitching staff is um, and how good he thought they are. I don't. I don't think we should take this game too seriously and start hitting the panic button or anything like that at all. I mean, some of these guys it's their first time playing SEC ball, the D one baseball and stuff. So, kind of got to give a few of them benefit of the doubt and just hope they get their sea legs under them in time. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that, like you mentioned, is you got to consider a lot of these guys that are making up our relief pitchers in the bullpen are our younger guys, freshmen that. Um, they're just coming over from high school and having to adjust to a D1 college game or even JUCO guys that are coming up to a higher level of college baseball and having to get their feet wet a little bit before being able to hopefully take off down the stretch. Um, hopefully we don't have many more days like this where we just can't hit the ball either. And I think it, it's something to think about whenever – I know we've mentioned it before, having to adjust to pitchers that may not necessarily be thrown as high speeds as you would expect from – SEC level level caliber talent, um, so that could have been one thing that might could have attributed to a terrible hitting day. But you know, you never know. Yeah, it's very true. So to round us out on baseball here, um, earlier this afternoon, actually Arkansas had a matchup with Illinois State. Um, we got the win. This game ten to nine took us eleven innings to get there, though. Um, Zach Morris got the start. Unfortunately, he only was able to go one inning. Um, he gave up five hits and two runs and only had one strikeout. So he, he's kind of started off the year struggling a little bit. So hopefully he can kind of right the ship, so to speak. Um, he was relieved by Cody Frank, who pitched four innings, gave up four hits and three runs, but had three strikeouts as well. And then Cody Adcock came into the game and pitched two innings, gave up one hit and had two strikeouts. Then Brady Tigert came into the game. Um, he pitched one and two-thirds innings. Gave up two hits, but had two strikeouts. And then Dylan Carter finished things off, pitching two and a third innings, um, giving up only one hit, had one strikeout. So kind of the key notes here, Kendall Diggs was able to walk this game off. So his second walk off within a week um, wasn't a home run, just a, an RBI. 
single scoring Peyton Stovall to get the win here. Um, Peyton Stovall, Kendall Diggs, Caleb Cowley, and Jared Wegner all had home runs in this game. So definitely had the long ball going. Um, just kind of took all, all 11 innings for us to, to finally get over the hump and get the win here. That's true. And another note, to, you know, for Arkansas baseball fans to keep an eye on is, you know, Brady Tigert. He was a guy that he had to unfortunately leave this game early with some type of arm, elbow soreness. Not sure that there's not been a release of saying what's wrong yet. I know pitching coach came out along with the training staff and take, took a look at him and decided he was done for the day. Um, it's something you hope you don't see it's that unfortunate injury you never want to see with pitchers um we'll just have to wait and see what what's going to be the extent of that hopefully it's a simple injury that just will take some time off and recover instead of a season ending one yeah i've got my fingers crossed pretty hard for him i I, and for the team too i mean we already lost one of our bigger arms in jackson wiggins for the season due to tommy john surgery so it'd be be pretty devastating to lose Tiger for the year, even for a considerable amount of time. So hoping it's nothing too major for him. Yeah. So all hog fans, keep him in your thoughts and hope send the best wishes his way. And hopefully it's a speedy recovery for whatever is going on there. And we'll keep you updated if we hear anything as well. So real quick, we'll run through some upcoming events before we have our guest this week on hog talk. Um, Arkansas men's tennis is taking on Vanderbilt on March 2nd. You have Arkansas women's basketball taking on Missouri in the SEC tournament on March 2nd. And then Arkansas softball is taking on Iowa State on March 2nd as well. And then you have Arkansas baseball with a weekend series at home playing Wright State. And then Arkansas softball on the third playing North Texas. And they will also play a doubleheader playing Texas A&M Corpus Christi that same day as well. Arkansas women's tennis will be taking on Georgia on March 3rd. And then you have Arkansas gymnastics taking on Georgia in gymnastics as well on March 3rd. And then you got a big game to round out Arkansas men's basketball season as they have Kentucky at home on March 4th. I think this is going to be a big game for them and hopefully they bounce back. They definitely need to, to keep hopes alive of making the tournament. You know, I hate to use that terminology as, you know, with the past few past couple of years, how that seasons went for this year to for them to be on the verge of not making the tournament would be definitely a disappointment. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping they can kind of ride the ship, have a great game here, and really carry some momentum into the the conference tournament. Have a good conference tournament and really utilize that as a springboard. But with the way this year's gone, I mean, it's kind of a coin toss. We've had some great games and we've had some really bad games. So hoping for the best. Yeah. And then you got Arkansas softball having a doubleheader on March 4th where they're taking on Iowa State and Texas A&M Corpus Christi again. And then you have Arkansas women's tennis versus Tennessee on March 5th. Arkansas men's golf at the Cabo Collegiate Tournament March 5th through the 7th. Arkansas softball rounding out the weekend on March 5th, taking on North Texas. And then Arkansas softball back at it on Monday, taking on UCA March 6th. And then Arkansas Baseball will be playing their midweek game versus Army on March 7th. So a lot of Arkansas baseball, softball getting started up as it's that time of the year. Hopefully the weather starts straightening out and it will be better weather for attendance, nice warm spring days for baseball and softball action. So now coming up, we, we're going to welcome 
David Harris from Hoop Southbound, who's part of the VSN, VSN network here with Whoopig Weekly, to the show to talk some Arkansas hoops. All right, we're excited to welcome to this segment of Hog Talk for this episode, David Harris from Hoop Southbound. So welcome in, David. Hey, how you guys doing tonight? Whoopig. Yeah, that's, that's a tough thing to say, you know, after last night's debacle. Uh, you know, it, it it is. But, you know, if you grew up in Arkansas, I feel like that's more of a greeting at times. Uh, I think we lost Seth. Where'd Seth go? Um, but uh, yeah, I know exactly what you what you mean. It, it's tough after that Tennessee game, a game where it totally looked like Arkansas didn't really even show up to that one. Yeah, that that's one thing that it, it took me by surprise a little bit with how decent performance we came out and had against Alabama for us to kind of turn around and look like we didn't know how to play basketball. Yeah. Um, you, you were really encouraged by the way the Razorbacks were playing over the last couple of games. And then to see Arkansas play like that in that, uh, in that Tennessee game was an absolute surprise, at least in my opinion, it was um, watching it. You know, I, I really feel like Tennessee, uh, as an experienced defense, took advantage of a pretty young hog team having a bad night. So, you know, while it was, you know, ultimately an 18-point loss that, you know, Arkansas fans didn't expect, I certainly didn't expect it, um, or anything else. Um, John Neighbors, who I had on my show this week, um, was echoing the same thought process. You know, any everything said Arkansas looked like they could pull the upset. Vegas agreed. Um, but it was just one of those things that, Freshman teams, young teams like this have bad nights. And then when you play a very experienced team like Tennessee with an elite defense, they can amplify the problem. So it, it, it just just a tough one for Arkansas. Uh, hopefully they'll have a really I think they'll have a good chance to bounce back on Saturday against Kentucky. Uh, that's a team that I think anytime you go into Bud Walton Arena and play the Cats, I feel like Arkansas has got a chance to win that game in most scenarios. That's very true. And and it's like I was telling Seth earlier on the episode, you know, it seemed like we had one of those things where we reverted back to pre-Nick Smith where the paint got clogged and we were just throwing up threes because we shot 22 in this game where and if you look at our past few games, we we're averaging around 10 to 12. So doubled our three-point shots in this game and just because we couldn't get anything going down low. Yeah, it, it was kind of weird, wasn't it? And I think part of that was is where the turnovers occurred. Uh, Anthony Black trying to drive the ball a couple of times, you know, lost the ball in the, you know, right around the uh, free throw line. Um, that was one moment that comes into my head. And then there were times like they were throwing passes and then you just had volunteer hands right in the way. I think Arkansas almost got scared. And I don't mean like terrified, but, you know, just uncomfortable trying to get inside and that's that's something that you don't expect from this Razorback team and and the reason is is because they outsize most teams out there uh, Tennessee's got some big guys on that floor but Arkansas is still a huge team that can play body to body with them um, so it, it was kind of surprising I think Tennessee's defense just flustered them enough to where they just got uncomfortable and didn't know how to handle that situation on the road that that was definitely my take especially kind of your point on the being uncomfortable. I, that was the thing that stuck out to me the most is it didn't seem like we could kind of get any of our normal rhythm that's given us success over the last, you know, few weeks off and on. N none of that seemed like it clicked correctly. Turnovers, just we weren't rotating correctly, and then just the shots weren't falling either. 
Yeah, it, that's what's frustrating. When you've got the uh, first three shots of your ball of the ball game, none of them going down. It it just kind of, I don't know. It's it's almost like an oracle about how the evening is going to go. Um, so I yeah, concerns there for Arkansas on on their start in that game just felt uncomfortable. But you know, kind of to your point, also you know, watching that team struggle like that, it, it does raise the question: Is there an underlying problem? And I think Arkansas's problem last night was also just kind of personnel selection. I, I had some really big questions for Eric Musselman in that situation, and he made some choices. Now I'm not the my most my my coaching experience includes sixth graders. It does not include <laughs> college basketball coaches, but I, I you know, but I, I still like I think it's legitimate to say that I had a couple of questions like why choose Kamani Johnson over Jalen Graham. Uh, you needed points. None of your forward, none of your front court was really contributing points, and you got one of the best efficient field growth shooters on your team just sitting on the bench collecting dust in that ball game. Um, Kamani Johnson, at times, I, I love the guy to death as someone who's from Arkansas, but you know, he also can be he's negative in several uh, several games in the plus minus rating this season. So I, I had questions why Johnson over Graham. Um, and I, I was also curious because I thought Arkansas found something that worked really well in the Florida game uh, a while back with uh, alternating the Mitchell twins and having Graham out there as well. There's not a lot of teams out there that can work off of a high efficient score like Jalen Graham down low and then elite defense with the Mitchell twins going back and forth. So in Arkansas got a combined total of what four points from their forwards in that Tennessee game. A lot of concern there. Yeah, I think the thing that, you know, surprised me a little bit, too, was right there at the end of the game, and I think it's been a little bit offseason, too, is Joseph Pinion, where's he been? He came in last night and hit two threes, you know, when that's something that we've been lacking at all season to have a guy that can come in and do that. Raises some questions. I get you have some concern on the defensive end with him being a freshman and maybe not being as adjusted to the college game, but in a time where you just need points, I feel like you can – you can work on some getting some defensive stops, but you need the guys in there that can bring in and get you, get your points. Yeah, no, for sure. And my thing right now with Joseph Pinion is that if you look at his offensive rating, you're talking about a player at one point this season was 140 plus, um, which was insane. And that was the best offensive rating on the team for his 44 minutes were great. It was amongst the best player or his points per 40 minutes were great. It was amongst the uh, best on the Razorback squad where Joseph Pinion is a liability, right? He's on the defensive end. He has a problem right now as a freshman, and he needs to develop uh, his defensive game plan because if you put him in one-on-one, -on -one, he can run into some problems. I think the reason, though, we are not seeing more of Joseph Pinion is simply because Nick Smith is back right now. That's a big reason uh, for it. Nick Smith gives you the ability to spread the floor at a much significant rate. Um, you know, Arkansas fans have always wanted a shooter. Last night, you know, as much offensive struggle as there were, the guards actually played a decent game minus Anthony Anthony Black's turnovers. Nick Smith um, showed that he can shoot a three. Debo continues to show that he can shoot threes. Joseph Pinion gives you a three-ball option, but if you're already successful from three uh, in a ball game, there's not much need to put him out there and allow that defensive liability out there now that to say i think joseph opinion is going to grow in the future and i think he'll be a significant part of the future of this razorback team but i, I don't think that's a personnel um choice that muscleman got wrong or anything last night i think joseph opinion probably does need to sit in the bench and you probably bring him out 
in a, you know, seven minutes or less situation saying we got to get back in this ball game some way, somehow here's some scores and let's just try to get defensive stops as we go. Yeah, he, he got brought in last few seconds that Alabama game where we were needing a three. He he didn't get the ball, obviously, and Council took that shot, but he, he's that kind of guy for those types of scenarios. I agree with you. Yeah. And with that last shot, you know, Council's obviously not the person that you want taking that shot in that Alabama game. Uh, only about a 25% three point shooter. But when Nick Smith's being guarded and Joseph Pinion's on the uh, far corner of the court, and it's going to be hard to get a pass off in three seconds. You know what? A 25% shooter is better than a 10% shooter. So I'll take it. You know, it's yeah. what you can muster up there. Glad we, we put ourselves in a position to maybe tie the game with the way that second half went. So, yeah, I, I will say this Razorback team has got a lot of fight um, in them. They easily could have folded over um, in that Alabama game. They didn't. They played a very, very good ball game. And I think, again, that's what was kind of discouraging about the Tennessee game. Um, you know, if Arkansas didn't play that well against Alabama and then maybe played a little bit better against Tennessee, I think Arkansas fans would actually feel better today. That's the weird thing. You know, if you lost both those games by 10 points uh, and it was late that the other team took it over by 10 points, you probably wouldn't even be concerned to be saying on to Kentucky. Um, but the way that that those two games played out, I think it left a bitter taste in everybody's mouth last night. So Arkansas is still in a good spot to get an NCAA tournament bid. They are still they are playing better basketball, regardless of how the last two games have gone than what they were at times. Um, teams have bad games. And I think last night was a bad game for Arkansas. And the potential for a six seed is still out there if you beat Kentucky and maybe win one game in the SEC tournament. So there's there's still some hope out there for the Razorbacks. Yeah, a lot of it depends on. Sorry to cut you off there, Caleb. I think a lot of it depends on what the rest of the ACC does too. Um, Obviously, you know you kind of control your own destiny, but there's you can get a lot of help from other teams if they lose in crunch time. Also, so fingers crossed on a few teams getting some losses. Yeah, it's definitely March right now. Uh, As I mentioned to you guys at the beginning of the show, I'm watching Alabama and uh, Auburn right now, and uh, Auburn's trying to let us know that it's March as they got a 10 minute or a 10 point lead with eight minutes left in this ball game. So it's interesting. And then Vanderbilt's playing Kentucky pretty well as well. Um, those games uh, right now, those will have some implications, but we'll see what happens next in those. Um, but yeah, it, it's March and things are, things are starting to get crazy. Yeah. And one thing that I think hopefully maybe we see some improvement from in the Kentucky game is, you know, Ricky Council, he's passed, he's had a tough, past couple of games, especially when you look at the free throw line, you know, coming clutch time in that Bama game, he missed, you know, three big free throws. You know, it seems like he could drive to the basket and get fouled. And then when he would get to the line, it, even in this Tennessee game, he struggled. So I don't know what's going on with him, but hopefully he can get back on track soon. Yeah, it, it's the greatest mystery in this Eric Musselman coach team. Um, for the first three years, of Eric Musselman's tenure, you expected free throws to be made. Uh, on an Eric Musselman coach team. This is just something that we haven't seen. It, it's strange. Um, you know, my boss at work the other day, we were talking about the Texas A&M game uh, in College Station a while back, and he said, as soon as Debo Davis went to the free throw line, I knew he was going to miss those free throws. And Debo's a good free throw shooter. Uh, Ricky Council uh, in the Alabama game, it was the exact same way. Um, I, I sat there and I was like, he's about to miss these free throws. I don't know what it is, but like instinctively, there's just times where you just know this team is about to miss some free throws and it doesn't make any sense. Ricky Council is one of the best free throw shooters on this team. You expect him to make, you know, three out of four, not, you know, the team all of a sudden go on a four free throw missing streak. 
Um, it, it's a concern and it's something that needs to be addressed um, because there's not a lot of teams that go deep into March without making their free throws. Um, that can win or lose you some ball games because everything else for Arkansas, in all honesty, is good. The metrics say the Hogs are a good basketball team. In fact, there was a, a gambler that I'm a pretty big fan of that he gave his list of teams that ha- that meet qualification for like the last five NCAA tournament champions. And there's about 12 teams out there right now on offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. And on those ratings, Arkansas is one of the 12 teams that could win the NCAA tournament. The problem is free throws. If they can fix the free throws, they will solve a lot of their problems. Uh, and, and even last night, a hog shot like 50-something percent from the stripe in Knoxville. 50-something percent isn't going to cut it. you got to get that over 67% in any given game. You have to go over two over three in order to make yourself competitive in a ball game. Yeah, I think you probably hear that a lot and plenty from Maddie on your show about, you know, free throws are they're game they're game changing and will win you and lose you those games. And, you know, like you said, it's something that it's such an outlier this year with a Eric Musselman team, like you said, these past three years have been a great three point or free three free throw shooting game team. And then to this year for them to come in and just struggle. But I did see a stat on an, uh, a flip side of that where it seems like this year's team is a increased driving team and getting to the basket just off the dribble this year than in years past as well. Yes, it, it, it's a different dynamic, and I, I'm so glad that that's become a thing that everybody who talks us with uh, talks with us and that with about now it brings up Maddie talking about free throws. Um, I'm so glad that that's a thing. Like uh, we were on the Vols podcast, yeah, and I think it got brought up before even the show started. Um, we were we were talking. It's like, yeah, you got that co-host who really likes free throws. We had somebody on Twitter go, "It's like this sounds like a Maddie tweet," and I'm like, "No, it's David." But yeah, no, that does sound like something Maddie would say about free throws. But anyway, um, I'm sorry you had brought up something, and I, I I just got caught up on how funny that was. Yeah, I was just saying how the, this year's team seems to be have an increased rate, more of, of a driving team. Driving, yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely a different dynamic because you had someone last year in J.D. Note who could just step back and take a three from the logo. Um, just very different dynamic. Uh, Stanley Mude, also same way, could shoot from three. It wasn't the best three-point shooting team you'd ever seen, but they could go over 30% on any given night for sure. You, It wasn't an expectation of one for four. It was more of an expectation for one for three, um, which is a much, much better three-point field growth shooting percentage. Uh, so when it comes to the three point game not being there. Yeah. It's strange because they're having the drive and I think teams are being more physical. And one of the things that have been noted about the sec over the last three, four years is that this is an incredibly physical league. Um, And I don't know what it is. We've talked about it on my show with the officials. You don't know what crew you're going to get on any given night um, in the sec. So you could have a game where about 25 fouls are called and you can have a game where there's about 47 fouls called. Um, So it it just really depends on how physical the refs are even going to let that game go. And for Razorback fans is a couple off your head, top of your head, LSU in game one, how few fouls were called like that at the beginning of the conference schedule. And then think about the Missouri game in Como. Um, that is the range that we are seeing across the SEC when it comes to fouls called. And it's because this league is so physical. It just really depends on what crew you're getting out there and how, how much physicality they're going to allow. Um, and when you play a physical league like that, it can cause issues for a driving team like Arkansas. As I was yeah, saying, you consistency. Mind with yeah. that, um, that stat from when you look at that, 
Missouri game in Como, you know, there was 56 fouls called in a 40 minute basketball game. It's hard <laughs> to get any type of rhythm going when you're, you know, having a foul called every second or less throughout this game. Yeah, that game, um, I, I think I even said something to the to the effect on that, that that's not a basketball game. That's a free throw contest. Um, and so like that's again, that's that's the variance that we see out there. And um, yeah, no. And the SEC last year led the nation in all P6 conferences and foul calls, um, and they won it by almost a thousand foul calls. It was it was absolutely insane. KS, uh, K. KSR, KSR uh, in Lexington, Kentucky, put that article out, and that was February data. Um, so, and I think again, the SEC is on pace to break that, get to lead all the uh, power conferences again this year. So, it, it'll be interesting to to see if that's ever addressed in Birmingham on how they have these games officiated. Yeah. So, looking ahead, hopefully, if we get that. NCAA tournament bid, you know, and we do end up falling in that dreaded eight, nine seed category, you know, which side of the bracket, as far as number one seed wise, do you think we'd benefit most by seeing in the second round, if we were able to get a first round win? So this is, this is going to sound controversial to the rest of the college basketball community. Um, but I have this thing where I don't believe in certain teams. And one of those teams happened to be the Houston Cougars. Um, so if Arkansas were lucky enough to draw Houston, I would favor that matchup for Arkansas. Um, we I've seen Houston at times just absolutely get themselves, you know, just in situations they don't want to be against poor opponents. Uh, Temple comes to mind. Uh, and then additionally, I called like earlier in the season. I didn't really have the faith that Bama was this good and was going to beat Houston. I thought Bama was a good basketball team and Houston was garbage um, when you, and they're not really garbage. I mean, like, you know, from the standards in which they are held in national media, they are not that uh, in my opinion. Um, so I was like, yeah, Alabama's going to go into Houston and beat and beat Houston. That's going to happen. And sure enough, what happened? Um, so I, I would like to see Arkansas paired up with Houston where I think they'll end up right now in this given situation is in a seven seed. Um, and that's just because I, I just have this hunch. I've seen it everywhere. Like Arkansas seed range goes from the last six to the first nine. Um, it really, and I've seen them as low as an 11, um, which the 11 is just out in left field. I'll be completely honest on the back bracket matrix. No, that's, that's an outlier, but it, that's how low it does go. Um, but as far as that situation goes, if a seven seed were to occur, there's some de there's twos that I'm more scared. I'm more scared of several of the twos than I am of the Houston Cougars. Um, so if I'm Arkansas, I want Houston. In my personal opinion, I want the Houston Cougars because in all reality, they're closer to a three seed in my mind. I like that take. I agree with that. Yeah, I, I like to refer to Houston as the Gonzaga of Texas. <laughs> and, and it's like... With that, you know, you see what we did to Gonzaga last year. So, yeah. Well, I, I that was also another game that I ended up calling because I I had watched St. Mary's just beat the tar out of Houston or not Houston out of Gonzaga in the regular season. I was like, that's a very similar game plan to how Arkansas would attack this game. And I was like, and I'll take two hundred and forty pound Jalen Williams over Chet Holgram any day of the week in a college basketball game with five fouls. Give me that all day long. Um, a matter of fact, last year I named my bracket 240 pounds out of Fort Smith. Um, 
definitely yeah. miss him this year, man. <laughs> oh, everybody's missing Jalen Williams. Everybody's missing Jalen Williams. But uh, I, I'll say the Oklahoma City Thunder, they're big fans right now. Him and uh, him and Isaiah the Jalen. other Jalen Williams. Yeah. yeah, both of them. Yeah, yeah, him, him and him both, man. <laughs> yeah, so kind of flipping the script when, you know, talking some Arkansas women's basketball, it seems like they struggled off and on this season, but kind of wrapped up the regular season with a win at home on senior day. What do you see as far as an outlook for them tournament wise? Yeah, it's, it's a really bad place to be in. Right. Um, Mike neighbors comes in with a super talented uh, Razorback team and the late, you know, the lady Razorbacks, they, they look promising in the non-conference uh, really promising, but for some reason they've just had the issues that they've fallen upon. I, I really do think right now what benefits Arkansas is being an SEC team in women's basketball. Um, women's basketball in the SEC is very well respected, um, kind of like that ACC bias we used to see back in the day in men's. Uh, so that will play a factor. If Arkansas can win a couple of games uh, in the uh, SEC tournament, they may be okay. But we're talking an 11 seed may be on the horizon. Uh, for the Razorbacks. Um, the problem is, is that on senior day, that Texas A&M team is not anything that particularly is going to help you out. Um, they're just, you know, that that would be the equivalent of the men beating South Carolina or Ole Miss. Um, it, it, that's just where it is. Um, so there's some concern there. I know not everybody liked the fact that, you know, there's I absolutely love Mike Neighbors. I do. I really do like Mike Neighbors. He coached my high school. But at the end of the day, there's going to come a point if this continues in the Mike, Mike uh, neighbors era that maybe not this year, but if this were to continue for the next season, I, Arkansas is going to have to continue to look for another basketball coach because right now schools like LSU, Ole Miss, Georgia, and other programs are trying to catch up to South Carolina right now to raise the profile of SEC women's basketball. And if Arkansas wants to be a part of that, they may have to make some tough decisions down the road. That's not a positive thing, and I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, that, it's that's the truth, the and, you know, they've struggled this year, and, you know, maybe they can get, you know, at least one win looking at the women's SEC tournament bracket. You know, they've got Missouri round one, but if they get that win, they have to take on South Carolina. So, you know, I think one win's realistic, but they, making any further past South Carolina with just how this team's played as of late doesn't bode very well for the Lady Racerbacks. You just got to find some wins. You just got to find some wins and hope everybody else gets some losses. Uh, that's just really where they are. And that's what I've seen from cream more than anything out, out there when it comes to the ladybacks. Um, is that still used as a term? I don't know why that just rolls out of my mouth. Cause I've heard them called that since I was like four. Um, but the lady Razorbacks, you know, you, you need some help and you need to get a couple of wins to help yourself. So that's, that's where they are. If you hopefully, you know, you may get a chance if you could win the SEC tournament, because I certainly think you have the talent there to do it. Um, you know, that would that would change things. Um, but that may also require South Carolina losing somewhere down the point. And and quite frankly, um, Staley's got an amazing squad and South Carolina is a very, very, very good basketball team. And I'm talking mid 2000s, late 2000s, UConn good. Yeah, they're they're a different echelon for sure. Yeah. And that's what we see in women's basketball quite a bit is LSU is right now trying to get to that upper echelon of women's basketball. South Carolina is there uh, and Ole Miss is not far behind LSU right now. Yeah, it's very true. And we talked about it a little bit earlier, but 
we live and die by the three so much that if you can get hot, there's we're always dangerous. But sometimes we we kind of shoot ourselves in the foot by kind of jacking up too many threes when they're when they're just not falling. So you, unfortunately, that's kind of been our offensive scheme is jack up threes. If we're hitting over thirty percent, we got a good chance of winning. If we're a little bit under that mark. Not going to be a great night for us. Not going to be. Yeah. And free throw shooting at times has been hit or miss. Also, I've noticed with the squad. So I, I don't know what it is. Maybe we need to repaint the stripes and Bud Walton uh, in the offseason and see if that fixes things. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, uh, Ladybacks, yeah, living button dying by the three is not ever a good strategy. You got to be able to put some drives in there to, you know, accomplish that game as well if you're going to play the analytics ball game. Yeah. Kind of as we wrap up here, what so give us your prediction for what what do you think Saturday's gonna look like in Bud Walton with Kentucky coming into town? I expect probably one of the craziest atmospheres we've seen this season. Um uh I, I will say this. I don't care that Arkansas lost on I do care, but I, I don't care that they lost to Tennessee. Twitter's not real life. People are upset right now and they're gonna say crazy things. Kentucky's coming to Fayetteville. Um, that is always a reason to get up. And I've said it on my show several, several times. I've seen worse Razorback teams than this beat better Kentucky teams than this in Bud Walton. That is a thing. It's just one of those situations that ever since Arkansas joined the SEC, there is nothing but pure. I want to beat Kentucky, um, because these are the two best programs historically in the SEC. So I expect a crazy atmosphere. I I do expect Arkansas to attack and I expect out of the last two games uh defensively I I've I've really had concerns with the Mitchell Twins and I think what we're going to see is them get back into form because I think they can beat up Oscar Shibway on any given night. Uh Oscar's just part of when Oscar's out there on the court things go stagnant for Kentucky. Um, so it, it's, it's a concern. And if you've got some big bodies out there to throw in front of Oscar Shibway, I think Kentucky will have issues. I don't think Arkansas will have too much problem getting to the paint. I expect the Razorbacks to win this one by a, somewhere in the five to 10 point range. That would be my guess. I'm excited for this ball game and I'm so mad. I get, I have to miss it this year. Um, so I'll be watching it on my cell phone, uh, while I'm in Little Rock, but it's going to be an exciting game. It's one to get up for. It's one to be excited because Kentucky-Arkansas is always the matchup every season. And you never know. You get some great moments out of those games. You talk about the Caltech uh, in Muss's first year. You talk about the Qualls dunk. Um, that was while I was in college. Um, there's There's been some an, some amazing moments between Arkansas and Kentucky. Uh, Joe Johnson had one of his game, the best games of his life. Uh, in the SEC tournament uh, against Kentucky. So it, it's one of those things. Anytime Kentucky and Arkansas get together, it's it's a fun watch. So I, I think this will be probably the game of the week on Saturday. Um, and it'll be a lot of fun to watch. And right now, I do believe Kentucky's having some issues with Vanderbilt. Yeah. Same well, that second ago. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you coming on. And for people that may not have listened to the show or, you know, anything, let them know where they can find you at, David. Yeah, um, you can find me and Maddie talking uh, ball every week uh, on uh, our show. It's called Hoop Southbound. Uh, we also do a live stream. Um, we're part of Variety Sports Network with uh, these guys here with uh, Woo Pig Weekly. Um, for us, um, our Twitter handle and all our social media handles, really, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, blah, 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 blah. There's so many of them out there. It's at Hoops 
uh, like basketball and southbound like Carrie Underwood song that easy. Uh, just put those two together and you found a handle. Um, we're like I said, everywhere you want to find us. We've got live shows. Uh, we've got a live stream that we do once a week on Monday mornings. You can put us on, listen to us in the car on the way to work. Um, Maddie yells about free throws. I talk about analytics. It's uh, it's what we do. Um, you know, and we're going to have a live bracket show uh, probably on Selection Sunday coming up here pretty soon. I'll be breaking down. We're going to it'll be an in-depth look on what the matchups the SEC teams face. And we'll also try to fill out the bracket from start to finish. So it'll it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, awesome. Well, we appreciate appreciate you taking the time and we'll, you know, hopefully get a Hogs win on Saturday. Fingers crossed. That'll be a lot of fun. I, I'm, I'm hoping so. I need to. Uh... I need something positive to happen after the last two games. It's it's just it just feels right in the universe that that would occur. <laughs> yeah. Make the weekend even better. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for your time, David. Yeah, thanks, guys. And that was David with Hoop Southbound Podcast. Go check out his and Maddie's show on any place that you can find your podcast. Go follow him on Twitter, uh, Facebook, any other social media. Uh, they put out some great content besides just Arkansas content. A, a good around the SEC content. And as always, thank you for tuning in to Wupeg Weekly, and we'll see you next week.